the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So this morning I read in Oswald Chambers, my utmost far as highest. He, he said, our lives are like a mirror. When people look at us, they should see the glory of God. So if you're a Christ follower and people are looking at you and they don't see that, something has tarnished the face of the mirror. You're blocking that. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Revelation chapter 22. I warn everyone who hears the word of prophecy in this book. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life in the holy city, which are described in this book. So God's word makes clear the revelation of God that is active and living is here in his word. God's not going to give you a new word that is in any way contrary to what he's already given us in scripture. God may speak into your your life in a way that illumines the scripture and directs you, but God and certainly no preacher or teacher is going to prophesy in that way over your lives. What about this gift of tongues? Well, tongues is first mentioned in Acts chapter 2. Remember, the the 120 followers of Jesus Christ were gathered. They were in the word, they were worshiping, and they were praying. And they were doing what Jesus had told them to do. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And so we today still recognize that at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down. This is what it says in Acts 2 and verse 3. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to the rest on each of them. And all of them, say all of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Why? Why did that happen? Let's keep reading. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? So the first time you see tongues in Scripture, it's very clear. This is a gift given by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of presenting the good news of Jesus Christ to people so that they could understand in their language. And we see that again about three times in the book of Acts. That in that early church, God showed up in this way always to a group of people who needed to understand in their native language the good news of Jesus Christ. And then you have 1 Corinthians. And some would say 
that what you experience in 1 Corinthians are two different kinds of speaking in tongues. So let me address that. They would say, for example, that one may be something that we would refer to as ecstatic utterances. In other words, words that really have no human meaning. They're just syllables that are, are put together that people are, are speaking. Do we know for sure? I, I, don't, I don't know that we do. I, I tend to think that's not the case. Let me tell you why. In the New Testament and in the, the Greek language in general, there were only two words that were used that we have in Scripture as tongues. One is the word glossa. We get the word glossary from it. And it was always used to describe an actual language. The other one, we get the word dialect from. And guess what it spoke to? A language. It was never used to describe an unintelligible tongue that didn't have meaning to someone. So I, I tend to think that Paul was probably addressing this same kind of tongues as an axe. I don't know for sure, but that's kind of where I am. Another thing people would say, well, what about a private prayer language? What about praying in tongues, just you and God? And, and the truth is, Paul mentioned something that we'll read in just a moment that talks about when you're praying. Could be referencing that. I'm not going to speak conclusively. But there is something that strikes me. There was a group of guys. They were a big deal to us, the disciples. And they had a great teacher. Now, here's a, here's a question, class. Who was their teacher? Jesus. Oh, you got it right. So one day they went to Jesus and Pastor Zach, what did they ask Jesus? Lord, would you teach us to would you teach us to pray? And guess what he did? He didn't say, no, y'all come back later. He did. And what did he do? That's what we just prayed, that model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Now, if, just go with me, if the end all of prayer, the pinnacle of prayer, the thing everybody wants to experience or needs to experience in prayer was to pray in a private prayer language. Do you think Jesus would have mentioned that anywhere? Just a thought. So uh, uh, let's just continue and, and, and see what does the scripture actually say? Not what we think or what we've been taught, because there are some systems of theology that say none of this exists today. There's a name for that. It's called cessationist. It says that these gifts, like what he's mentioned in, in chapter 14, prophecy and tongues, that they don't exist today. And it's drawn from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Look at what it says. Love never fails. You've heard that part. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. And so there's this whole system of theology that says when the perfection comes, is referring to the canonized scripture, the Bible as we have it today. And I'm a person who I call myself an inerratist. I believe the Bible's without error. I believe the Bible is perfect. It's without falsehood. So this is the perfect word of God. But I don't think that's what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. I think he's talking about when Jesus comes back. 
the return of Christ. In fact, as I read through and go to 1 Corinthians 15, it's talking about the resurrection and the victory that we have because of Jesus and the, the promise we have of him coming back. And so, man, it, it's hard for me to fall into that category. So you're just asking and I'm just telling. So I would be what would be called a, a continualist or a continuationist, which simply says this, there's a God, but I'm just Paul. So I, I'm not going to put God in a box and tell him what he can't do anymore. I'm going to describe what scripture says. And, and I have to tell you, I, I've traveled the world, but I haven't seen what I believe to be scripturally modeled here in 1 Corinthians 14. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. There's a lot of things I haven't seen personally. My friend Elizabeth is in this service, and, and she spent many, many years in Africa. And I'm just telling you, our missionaries on the field where, where there's not a, an availability through the gospel like there is here in our land, we see God working in ways there just like he did in the New Testament. We see miracles much more abounding than we see in our daily life. I think it speaks to the simple faith that many of us have grown cold in. So, let's go back to Corinth. Paul was really saying to the church at Corinth, when, when you face an issue like this, and you can use this in any spiritual principle, when you face an issue like this, you really have two questions. The first question is, what's the point? The second question is, what's the purpose? And they're, they're close, but they're a little different. So let's first take that one. What's the point? I want you to look in verse 7, chapter 14. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the, the flute or the harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? All right? Raise your hand if you've ever played any kind of musical instrument. All right? Oh, good. That's about half this group. And so you've got an understanding that these notes that you're playing, they, they have a distinct sound, and that's how you know what you're experiencing. It. And, and so it says, again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will be ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak in intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You'll just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world. So, again, this kind of is why I, I tend to believe Paul's referencing, you know, that tongue that was an understandable language, yet none of them is without meaning. If I then do not grasp the meaning of, of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker, and he's a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you're eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. What's the point? What's the point? What's the point? Well, he's saying, you know, why would God give you something that really doesn't have any point? <laughs> um, did you know that there are people that can play a bugle? And really just from the way they adjust the air they're blowing in and the formation of their lips, they can make distinct sounds like this one. Listen to this. See, you, you knew that. You knew that was charged. How'd you know that? Because it's distinct. You knew what it meant. Oh, what about this one? Mm. You know what that is? Reveille, it means wake up! 
I've made a, a, I believe the Spirit inspired me to make a decision. I'm going to start playing that three times in the middle of every message. <laughs> so when, when I worked at a summer camp, someone would literally every morning uh, play that to wake up the two or three hundred campers that we would have there. And, and sometimes they would think they're funny. I was a counselor and, and they would come and they would play it right outside my window. I still have heart problems as a result of that. I mean, but how do I know what it means? Because it has a distinct sound. So what's the point? You should always, when you see something in church, when you see something spiritually, okay, what is, what, what's God up to here? What's the meaning behind this? And that leads us to the purpose. So what's the purpose? He makes it very clear in verse 12. The purpose is to build up the church. So if this is drawing attention to you, if this is pointing to you, if this is making everybody look at you, then you got the wrong purpose. The purpose is to build up the church. So, let's just look at some of the things that it's, it says. First of all, it, it's clear there's no biblical mandate that everyone should desire this gift. Paul says, I, I would rather you have some of these other things in verse 5. He says in verses 18 and 19, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. In other words, think about this now. He's, he's aside from Jesus, the greatest missionary who ever lived. So, he's traveled the known world. And I think he's implying that the Holy Spirit gave him the ability wherever he went to effectively communicate the gospel, whether he knew the language or not. He says, I've spoken tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather you speak five intelligible words than to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. You can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says... The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. So if this were something that, man, you just got to have, that doesn't make sense, right? Because Paul says, I'd rather you say five things that make sense than 10,000 things I can't understand. Interesting. All right. There is a biblical mandate, however, that we should desire the things that edify the church. Because he says, you should want these spiritual gifts. So you should be saying, God, how can I make a difference in this church, in this community, in your world? We also see that there's a clear mandate that you can't edify the church and push away unbelievers. So it can't be so strange that those people that don't know Jesus don't want to be a part of it. Man, I've struggled with that today because... I got my hair is cut on Friday, and to my knowledge, the, the person who cuts my hair is not a follower of Christ. And, and I was thinking about this subject, just preparing, letting it you know, marinate in my heart throughout the week. And I was thinking, you know, if, if she came on Sunday, what in the world is she going to think about this message? And, and maybe that's where you are. Maybe you don't have that relationship with Christ, and you think, why are we talking about this? And, and we're talking about it because it's in the Scripture, but when we worship, we want to be sensitive to you, Right? And it talks about that. Um, look at what it says in verse 23. So if, if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say? 
You're out of your mind. You have flipped your lid. You people have gone crazy. He, he's saying, even though we are worshiping a God that they do not know, we don't want to worship in a way that pushes them away. And by the way, this is a whole other subject, but this is why we're sensitive to styles of music, and this is why you know, we don't get caught up in our dress, and, and we, we want you to have a sense of comfort as you come into worship because we recognize we exist for those who aren't here yet. I'm going to say that again because I promise you, if at least four of you don't amen when I say that, I'm going to jump off the stage and come sit and amen myself. So we exist for those who aren't here yet. I mean, I want you to understand that. That, That's what's so crazy about the, the modern church culture where we just move around when we experience something we don't like. Hmm. Well, you can't edify the church if you're pushing unbelievers away. If, if a gift is not edifying the church, Paul's saying it's counterfeit. It's, con- it's, it's confused. Look at verse 33. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the saints. And then he gives us something very specific. So if tongues are spoken in public, there must be an interpreter. Listen to what it says in verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation or a tongue or interpretation. All of this must be done for the strengthening of the church. There's the Why? If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at most should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Friends, I want you to understand something with the love of God as my backdrop. That's why in our church, if we're having a moving time of worship, or maybe I get passionate, or Pastor Zach's been here, and he's passionate, or Andrew's passionately leading us, and, and it's very moving, and, and we are shouting praise to God. If, if we hear something that is unintelligible, we're going to quickly listen, okay, God, we don't want to put you in a box. Is there, did, did you gift somebody else with the ability to explain that to us? And, and if that's not there, we're going to gently and graciously come to you and say, hey, let's be careful. Let's not be disruptive. That's not being mean to you. That's trying to be scripturally accurate. Why? Because if we want to build up the church, we've got to be scripturally accurate. We, we can't be doing things that are, are clearly contrary to God's words. Because if tongues become divisive or disruptive, we know it's not coming from God. Look at verse 40. Everything should be done. Everything should be done in a fitting and an orderly way. So, wow, there's so much we could say on this, but let me just give you a few takeaways to, to be very, very practical. Because some of you are thinking, this is way more than I wanted to know. So what do you need to take away? Here you go. God's a God of mystery, but he's not a God of confusion. And that's true on this issue, but it's also true in your life. You know that, right? If, if you feel confused, if things are chaotic, I can tell you that's not coming from God. God is a God of peace. And so when you're making decisions and you're trying to decide, is this of God? You've got to determine, am, am I experiencing the peace of God. But he is a God of mystery. That's why he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my way, declares the Lord. Remember that from Isaiah 55? He goes on to say, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So it's a balance, right? I'm embracing the mystery, but I'm I'm pushing aside any confusion and chaos. Now, how do I do that? Well, I, I think Paul gives us some great instruction in 1 Thessalonians. Listen to this verse, 1 Thessalonians five nineteen. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. That's pretty strong. 
How do you remember that if you learned it in the King James? Don't quench the Holy Spirit of God. So, man, I don't want to be that church person that's just saying, put your hands down. Don't, don't you know that's not right? You're too loud. Don't say amen that much. I, mean, I, I, I don't want to quench the Spirit. So what do I do? I don't treat prophecies with contempt, but I test everything. All right? This is to you, Christ follower. How do you test things? You've got the scriptures. I'm just telling you, if we're going to... We're going to survive in our crazy world. If you're a Christ follower, you better be learning the scriptures. You better be digging in because you're going to hear things on the uh, podcast or, or you're going to turn into a TV, tune into a TV preacher. Or you might go and visit a church and you think, now, wait a second. Is that what they're saying or is that what scripture teaches? That's why in the messages that you hear here, I'm covering you up with scripture every time we preach. Because I, I want you to know that God's word has the power, not Paul's word. There is a God. But I'm just Paul. God's a God of mystery, but he's not a God of confusion. Secondly, God is a God of freedom, but he's not a God of disorder. How many times in this passage did he say, do things orderly? Do not be chaotic. So we want to embrace the freedom of the Spirit, and we have to be careful, right? So it's kind of like the same time you hear people say, well, Christians shouldn't judge somebody. Well, no, if, if, if there is sinfulness, it's, it's okay to call out sinfulness. But if, if we're not talking about sinfulness, yeah, then let someone walk in the freedom of the Lord. Because Second uh, Corinthians 3 and verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who are unveiled faces, all reflect God's glory, the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into His likeness with an ever-increasing glory. So this morning, I read in Oswald Chambers, my utmost far as highest, he, he said, Our lives are like a mirror. When people look at us, they should see the glory of God. So if you're a Christ follower and people are looking at you and they don't see that, something has tarnished the face of the mirror. You're blocking that. So don't do that. Walk in freedom. Reflect the glory of God. Thirdly, God gives you gifts to build his church, not to build your ego. <laughs> so occasionally somebody has said to me, Brother Paul, I'm praying for you. Maybe one day you'll get this. I just hear that, and, you know, honestly, I'm always going to try to be gracious. I sometimes fail too often. but So I, I probably say, thank you, man. I need the prayer. You need the practice. Um, but there's something about that kind of sentiment that acts like you've arrived at something that I've not got. And I'm just telling you, when I surrendered myself to Jesus Christ, repenting of my sins, Trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. I got everything I needed. And so did you. So did you, Christ follower. But some of you, you received that gift of salvation, and then you received the gift of the Spirit, and then you received the gifts of the Spirit, and a lot of them are just wrapped up. You're not using them. It doesn't make you a bad person, but it, it makes you a little useless in the body of Christ. That's not God's intent. You know, this could be a shoebox. I read something this week that kind of hurt my feelings because I think it applies to me sometimes. I read that the overwhelming majority of people that buy running shoes never run. <laughs> They're just making a fashion statement. 
And I've been guilty of that. I walk into the New Balance store and I say, hey, now which one of these are the best? What you going to do? What are you using? You know, the truth, uh, God's given you gifts that you've, you've not unwrapped. You're not using. And there's a lot of us that need to unwrap those gifts, lace up the shoes, and get in the race. Because when you do, your life's going to be better. The church is going to be built up. And you'll point more people to Jesus. I'm looking out at the church I love right now. You don't see what I see, but I could, I could take time just going around, looking out at John, and just telling you some folks that by God's grace began to use their gifts. And they almost can't shut up about what Jesus is doing in their lives. Be that person. Let's pray together. Jesus, help us. We need you in this moment. We give ourselves to you, Lord. You've given us so much. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.